All right, chapter chapter fourteen is as we get going here. Uh, so it, we've come to another one of these wonderful chapters <laughs> that, that just drive us crazy as we see those things. But uh, history is there, truth is there, uh, and yet the enemy trying to bring in a lie, and the Lord shows us what those lies are. Uh, and just so wonderful as we uh, reach out and, and uh, want to have the things of the Lord uh, for us that we could see these things. It says, Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was towards Absalom, and Joab sent to Tekoa and fetched thence a wise woman. I don't know how wise she was. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Joab thought she was wise uh, and said unto her, I pray thee, feign thyself to be a mourner and put on now mourning apparel uh, and anoint not thyself with oil, but be as a woman that had had a long time mourned for the dead. So he's pretty much just coming to her and saying, hey, sis, go lie. <laughs> Isn't that great? The history of the church, the history of Christianity, the history of God's people, and yet uh, people are in there, and we know that the the wolves will come in, they'll enter in, uh, but here he is telling her to lie. Uh, it's interesting in Colossians chapter 3, is, uh, he's telling the church what not to trust, what not to have in their lives. Uh, uh, that, that he says in verse 9, and this is to the church, with all these things, well, let's start in verse 5. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when you lived in them, but now... Ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. And this is to the church. Isn't that great? <laughs> that he has to tell us th these things to put off. And, and then he finishes up in verse 9, and he says, Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Put these things off. Instead of putting those things on and having those things, he says, put them off. Uh, and yet here's, here's Joab coming and, and grabbing a hold of this woman, and they're supposed to be walking in truth, supposed to be walking in the right ways. Uh, and he tells her to lie. Uh, but not only to lie, but go to the king and lie. <laughs> wow, that, that's a heavy responsibility. It's, it's a heavy uh onus put on somebody uh, that, that should be walking in truth. Uh, and yet for us, uh, how much in the church uh, is deception? How much in the church is lies? As we look around at the different churches and we see so many churches embracing this fact that we have replaced Israel uh, as they're supposedly reading their Bibles uh, but not giving out the truth. Uh, and for us, certainly an, an application of, Lord, help me to be in the truth, help me to be giving out the truth, and help me not to enter into those places that, that I shouldn't be. <laughs> so he says, go, 
put on clothes that, that signify your mourning. Don't anoint yourself with oil. Don't look pretty as you go into the king. Uh, look drawn and, and haggard. Uh, really deceive the king. Deception entering in uh, to the place where the king is. Uh, so sad. Uh, and Joab, the king's general, is the one doing it. Uh, not in a good place, not in a good situation, not in a good uh, event to come to pass. And it says, And come to the king and speak on this manner to him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. This is the lie that you're going to tell the king. And when the woman of Tekoa spake unto the king, she fell on her face to the ground and did obeisance and said, Help, O king. Uh, <laughs> uh. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, I am indeed a widow woman, uh, and mine husband is dead. Uh, and thine handmaid had two sons, and they strove together in the field, and there was none to part them, but one smote the other and slew him. And for that, the law says uh, to die. That's going to be the penalty. That's going to be the situation that's there. Uh, but in a second, we're going to see what God's law says, certainly, but, but what God has done. Uh, and behold, the whole family is risen against your handmaid. And they said, deliver him that smote his brother, that we may kill him. So the avengers of blood have come, and they want to kill him. Uh, they want to know where he is. They, they want to destroy his life. Uh, and he said, for the life of his brother whom he slew, and we will destroy the heir also. So evidently this is the last uh, living heir, uh, and they want to destroy him, uh, just completely quench his name or the family's name out of history uh, uh, and he says then in shall not leave to my husband neither name nor remainder upon the earth and the king said unto that unto the woman go to thine house and i will give charge concerning thee uh, go to your house and just sit tight and let me think on these things and let me uh, speak truth into these things as i just see what the lord wants to say and the woman of Tekoa said unto the king, My lord the king, the iniquity be on me and on my father's house, and the king and his throne be guiltless. Uh, so I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to take accountability in this. You'll be guiltless, but uh, please give me uh, something uh, to say to those that are there. And the king said, Whosoever saith aught unto thee, bring him to me, and he shall not touch thee any more. So... The king feeling bad, remember, he's, he's not praying, he's not seeking the Lord. Uh, his son has just gotten killed by Absalom, Absalom is gone, and it's been a while, and, and we look at it and say, well, that's the next chapter, so too much time hasn't gone on, but he's already been in Jeshur for three years, uh, and uh, we're going to see that it's a total of around five to six years that he hasn't seen Absalom. <laughs> Uh, by the time he gets done, uh, just put aside, but hasn't sent anybody to slay him. There's no avenger. There's no revenge taking place. Uh, remember, it said that he was comforted concerning his son Amnon, uh, that he was comforted by something uh, to just 
be okay with Absalom still being alive even though he killed the eldest son, Amnon, uh, because of what Amnon has done. Amnon certainly deserved to die uh, because of what he did to his sister, to Absalom's sister. Uh, but uh, David not being a dad, not being the leader of the country right now, he's just kind of in that position, but not leading the way that the Lord wants him to. Uh, and this hopefully is going to wake him up a little bit uh, as he comes back to seek the Lord. But it's going to take a little bit longer before that even happens. And so uh, the woman says to him, I'm going to be guilty. You, you'll be free of that. And he says, well, whosoever says unto you, bring him to me and kill him. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll take care of the whole situation. And then she said, I pray thee, let the king remember the Lord thy God. Hmm. that thou wouldest not suffer the revengers of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, as the Lord liveth. So he's using the Lord's name without using the Lord's wisdom and direction in words. Uh, so what he's doing is he's putting words in, into the Lord's mouth. This is what the Lord is saying. <laughs> oh, And it's hard for us to say that without meeting with the Lord to find out what the Lord is really saying. Uh, certainly an, an application for us to remember that every moment to seek the Lord's heart for every situation, not just the ones that we think we know about, but the ones we certainly don't know about. And then the woman said, Let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak one word unto my lord the king. And he said, Okay, go ahead. Uh, this persistent woman, amazing, isn't it? Uh, and the woman said, Wherefore then hast thou thought such a thing against the people of God? For the king doth speak this thing as one that is, which is faulty, in that the king does not fetch home again his banished. <laughs> well, you're saying this, but you haven't brought home your son. Ugh. And she's trying to get him to a place, and that's what happens when deception comes in, when lies come in, is that we start walking by our feelings and not by the truth of God's word. We don't have the Lord's heart in the matter. We don't have the Lord's ways in the matter. Uh, and certainly if he did, he could say, this is what the Lord is saying, instead of just being run by his emotions. And we can do that too. We feel bad. Betsy and I were just talking beforehand uh, about all the demonstrations against Israel uh, because of what they're doing to Hamas, taking their land when it isn't their land to start with. <laughs> uh, but, but just all the feelings that are involved in it and aren't the kids in the colleges being run by their feelings. They see death and destruction and they're being run by their feelings and their anger and their hatred towards Israel. And who's the father of all those lies? Satan. Because he hates God's people. And that's why every country is going to come against Israel. And you see, even the U.S., we're still calling for two-state solution. <laughs> when God says, no, there's one state, and it's the state of Israel, and it's stay in Israel. And, and we can do anything we want. We can legislate a two-state solution, but it isn't going to change God's word. Because God will get rid of them if he has to. Because <laughs> there is going to be no two-state solution. But these people are evil, they're terrorists, they have books on how to torture and how to maim and how to kill hostages that were brought to them by Iran. Hello, 
Who's involved? All the evil of the world to just come in against Israel. And I don't know about you, if, you, if you're not standing with Israel, I'm going to tell you, we're standing with Israel. And if you need to walk out, go ahead. <laughs> you won't be the first ones and probably won't be the last ones, but that's all right. <laughs> God is still on the throne and he's still king and he, his word is still going to be final. Uh, and so uh, we go through all these things and here's this woman deceiving David, uh, being run by her emotions. Joab's being run by his emotions. David, because he's not seeking the Lord, is getting into his emotions with it and, and not standing on the word of God, not seeking what he says. Uh, and she says, uh, why aren't you fetching home yours that is banished? And we look, and, and they, they kind of put things together that, well, before the law came, the Lord pardoned Cain for killing Abel. He didn't kill him. He didn't destroy him. But he had a mark upon him, didn't he, uh, that, that said, this man is killed. This man is destroyed. And judgment was ultimately going to come to Cain for what he had done, because if he doesn't come to faith, he's going to be judged for his works. And his works were against God and what God says. God ultimately is going to have his final word done. And he is going to bring destruction upon this man, uh, Cain, for doing what he did to Abel. So you can't really use that as an argument because God ultimately is going to take care of those situations. But in verse 14 it says, for we must needs die, and are as water spilled on the ground, <laughs> uh, yeah, which cannot be gathered up again. You can't gather up the, the water from the ground. You can't get a hold of it. It sinks down into the ground. You can't get it back. Neither does God respect any person. Uh, there's water under the bridge, so to say. And so uh, God doesn't have respect unto, unto any person. We see it in the word. We see it come to pass. But... Uh, he does devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. She's adding to the word. God is a gracious God. He loves everybody. He wouldn't kill the poor Hamas people that are terrorists and bringing evil into the world. And so neither should we. But God says in his word, and that's why it's so important to be in his word. That's why it's so important to have his word and to have his ways and to know his heart. Um, there's, in the midst of this, there, there's God's heart. Uh, and we really need to see it. We really need to take a hold of it. It, it says this in, in Job uh, 34, uh, verse 19. Uh, uh, and I'm going to go to a few places here before we uh, move on. And he says, um, let's see, oh boy. Let me go back to verse 14. It says, For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet a man perceives it not. In a dream, in the vision of a night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, and slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men, and sealeth their instruction, that he may, may withdraw man from his purpose, and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit, and his life from perishing by the sword. He is chastened also with pain upon his bed in the multitude. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. 
this is great. I could read all the way through, and we're still going to go to the wrong chapter. Let me get to the right chapter. Oh, my goodness. Forgive me, Lord. Uh, I wondered why this wasn't coming together. In verse 18 of chapter 34, he says, Is it fit to say to a king, Thou art wicked, and to princes, you, ye are ungodly? How much less to him that accepteth not the persons of princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor? They are all the work of their hands. In a moment they shall die, and the people shall be troubled at midnight and pass away, and the mighty shall be taken without hand. For his eyes are upon the ways of man, he sees all his goings. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. And that's encouraging for us as we see iniquity all through the world. And we know that God is going to take care of it ultimately. We don't have to take care of it because we can't take care of it. But God can. And so we trust God in the midst of it. For he will not lay upon man more than what's right that he should enter into judgment with God. There's, there's no respecter of persons there, and that's what it says in Romans chapter 2. But it says this in, in Acts chapter 10, uh, uh, as we look at it, uh, just to see what, what God says in Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 34, uh, it says this, uh, says, Then Peter opened up his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But he says it in the context of the, the Gentiles coming into the kingdom. He doesn't say it in context of, of, of a man killing someone and they should be able to go free because we feel sorry for him. He's saying it in context that Gentiles are just as important to God. All people are just as important to God as any other group of people. And it's true. If, if a man of Hamas right now repents and turns to Jesus Christ and asks for forgiveness, we know that God is going to forgive him and bring him into the kingdom. And it's simple. God is no respecter of persons in the sense that any nationality, any color, any shape, any size, any educational process can come through and come to Jesus Christ for salvation and God is not going to respect where he's come from. He's going to respect where he's going to go to. Because you and I were once enemies of God, just as any other person who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is now. And he doesn't respect the person or the nationality or the color. He respects their heart attitude towards him. And that's what he respects. In that sense, he is a respecter of persons because he respects those who have come to him in truth and in the right way. And so it can be Gentile, it can be Jew, it can be any nationality, any color, anything. And so we, we look at that place and we realize that God, you're, you're so faithful to us, you're so good to us, that you don't respect us for where we've come from, but where we're going to because we've accepted you as Lord and Savior. And we trust him in the midst of that. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't respect where we've come from, but instead he respects where we are now in our walk with him, coming to him and giving our lives to him and saying, God, I'm yours. And then he brings us. <laughs> 
this woman comes and says to David, uh, he shouldn't be banished. He shouldn't be expelled anymore. You even said it, David, that you're going to take care of things for me. But why aren't you bringing home your own son? I'm being run by emotions, so you should be run by your emotions, king. And Joab, his general, is bringing it to him. I don't think Joab ever got saved. Joab was in a place of being a destroyer. He was a deceiver. He was in that place, and, and David made him a general. I think it was in a place of weakness. <laughs> it certainly wasn't in wisdom, um, because he's the one that killed Abner. Remember, Abner came in, in chapters earlier, in chapter 3, uh, and had come to him uh, and said, David, uh, I, I want to join allegiance with you. I want to follow you. Joab heard that Abner was come. He was upset because there was another general in the midst and he was afraid he was going to be replaced. So he runs out, meets Abner and says, hey brother, and grabs him by the beard and sh shoves a, a knife into him and kills him and destroys him. But he killed his brother too. <laughs> Abner did, yeah. So, so there's deception going on all the way around. But, but Joab in this place in the kingdom of sending a liar to David. And boy, we need to be careful of those that we surround ourselves with to make sure that the truth is there. And sometimes that's hard. But if we depend on God and we trust him and we're looking to him in every situation, then even if there's deception there, the Lord is going to give us the grace to handle it the right way and to do the right thing. David's in a place where he's not doing that now, and this is such a great example for us in the times that we're in, to be careful of who we're listening to, to be careful of what we're believing and trusting, to be careful that we, our hearts don't enter into a place that we shouldn't go to. Our, our country's not in good shape. <laughs> our country's not doing well, but we can't listen to the lies of the enemy and say, you're right, God has to, to listen and, and God has to obey. God is by himself. He doesn't have to listen to any one of us. He doesn't listen to what we want to say. He listens to what truth is because he is truth. And, it, and it's great to hear different things and, and different arguments but we can't trust any of them we trust the word and that's where we need to go God is not against Israel he's not against his people he still loves them it says in the last days that he's going to deal with Israel again and I don't know where the churches are that get the fact that God is done with Israel and he's never going to go back to him and deal with him because scripture's plain He's going to. <laughs> He's not done with them. Why else would they be mentioned in Revelation if he was already done with them? They wouldn't be around, but they are. Uh, and so hold your heart in the right place and just let the Lord minister to it in the midst. Don't be deceived by anybody that comes to you pretending to love you, pretending to be in that place uh, of being your friend, your pal, your confidant. Be careful of what you listen to and match it up with the Word of God. Uh, and we certainly, I think most of us know that we don't listen to mainstream news and, and get, get our, 
get our truth from there. Because <laughs> there is no truth in that mainline news. Our news comes from him because he tells us the truth about it. Uh, so hang on to him. Uh, but even in the church, because what's going to come into the church? The Gospels tell us that wolves are going to enter in. Paul tells the churches to be careful. As soon as I leave, grievous wolves are going to enter in. Oh, and they're going to come against you. And they're going to be in the church pretending to be something that they're not. We need to be careful of, of what we're hearing, what we're listening to, because uh, we see what the consequences are going to be and what, what's really happening with the churches now that we know that, that God means what he says and says what he means. So Dave, I, it goes on here now in verse 15. Uh, and he says, Now therefore that I am come to speak of this thing unto my Lord the King, it is because the people have made me afraid, and thine handmaid said, I will now speak unto the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his handmaid. So she's still bringing out the lie. She's still bringing the lie to David. And she says, For the king will hear to deliver his handmaid out of the hand of the man that would destroy me and my son together out of the inheritance of God. Then thine handmaid said, the word of, the, of my Lord the King shall now be comfortable. <laughs> For as an angel of God, look, oh boy, flattery. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? She just flattered, so much flattery coming to him. Oh, you're so wonderful and you're so handsome, oh kingy. And, and you're so great and we just really love you. Uh, and we know that your words are wonderful. Just, oh my goodness, let's throw up together and just, ugh. This is terrible. <laughs> For as an angel of God, so is my Lord the King to discern good and bad. He's not discerning anything, because if he was discerning something, he'd already know. You're a fake woman. <laughs> uh, therefore, the Lord thy God will be with thee. Uh, and it's sad to say that people do that, but people do that. I've had people come up to me and said, oh, I really wish you were the pastor because the pastor that I'm listening to isn't good and, and you say it so nicely and, and you're so good with it. Uh, and, and for a while, it was wonderful to hear. But now if I hear it, especially somebody that's brand new, I go, oh boy, am I in trouble. <laughs> this one's going to be a problem. And you instantly put them into a box and go, oh my, be careful of this one. Because the heart can be deceived, can it? Because otherwise God wouldn't tell us not to be deceived. Because we can be deceived. And if you think you can't be deceived, you're already deceived. <laughs> so you might as well hang it up right away. <laughs> We've got to be careful in the midst. Uh, and so then the king answered in verse 18 and said unto the woman, hide it not from me. So he's finally getting the plan. He's finally hearing what she's really saying. Uh, and he said, hide it not from me, I pray thee, the thing that I shall ask thee. And the woman said, let my lord the king now speak. And the king said, is this not the hand of Joab that's with thee in all of this? <laughs> and the woman answered and said, As my soul liveth, my lord the king. She's still putting it on. 
But none can turn to the right hand or to the left from thee. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that my Lord has spoken for the servant Joab. He bade me, he put all these words in the mouth of your handmaid to fetch about this form of speech. Hath thy servant Joab done this thing? My Lord is wise, according to all the wisdom of an angel of God. Oh, you're not only the king, you're an angel. <laughs> no, David, 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 to know all the things that are in the earth. And the king said unto Joab, Behold, now I have done this thing. Uh, go, therefore, bring the young man Absalom again. He, he falls into that place. He has a love for Absalom, which is wonderful. Uh, but Absalom is a deceiver. He's already deceived David. Remember, he invited him to the feast where he was going to kill Amnon in front of his eyes. Because of or Amnon, because of what Amnon had done, Absalom was going to do that. He's already a deceiver. He's offer already a, a murderer. He's a liar. And now he says to bring Absalom back. I think it's a mistake, in my own estimation. But uh, I I know I don't have the heart of the Lord uh, in in this. I, I don't know if this is what the Lord is saying. But for me, it is that it was wrong to bring him back. We see the fruit of him coming back later on. Should he have done it years before if he was going to do it? That's what many commentators say. If he'd have done it years before, Absalom would have been okay and he would have been, a, been a, the king after, uh, after David, even though the Lord already told him Solomon was going to be the king. Hmm. Many commentators believe that. I, I don't know. Uh, I can't say that. Uh, but we know it's a deception that's coming in. So the king said unto Joab, Behold, now I have done this thing. Go therefore and bring the young man Absalom again. And Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knoweth that I have found grace in thy sight. And I think that's all that Joab was looking for was to be put in that position again, to be reaffirmed as your general, as your man. I'm your man, David. I'm with you all the way. Ugh. In that the king has fulfilled the request of his servant. Instead of looking to God, he's looking to David for affirmation. So Joab arose and went to Jeshur. Remember, he, uh, Absalom is there and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. He goes all that way and, and comes and brings him back to Jerusalem. And the king said, let him turn into his own house and let him not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house and saw not the king's face. How sad to bring him back and yet not see him, not confront him, not get things right for either one of them. It's kind of, everything is still in limbo. It's not good for David. It's not good for Absalom. There's no truth coming out. There's, there's no healing coming out. There's no confrontation of what the truth should have been and what happened. Uh, David's still not being a father. Absalom's still not being the king's man. Not only is he his father, but he's his king. But he's not acting like it. But in all of Israel, 
There was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. It's hard for me to listen to this because I've never seen a beautiful man. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of thankful for that. Uh, uh, fr- from the sole of his foot. Look at, listen to this. From the sole of his foot all the way to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. Oh, gag me. Just, yes, it's terrible. And when he pulled his head or when he got a haircut for it, for it was at every year's end that he pulled it or had it cut because the hair was heavy upon him. Therefore, he pulled it or, or had it cut and he weighed the hair of his head. He only got a haircut once a year. Boy, talk about his savings, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, at the end of the year, he weighed his hair and it was 200 shekels after the king's weight. It's four pounds of hair. Can you imagine? He had thick hair. <laughs> I mean, my hair doesn't weigh a whole lot. You know, when it falls out, I don't feel it hitting my leg or anything, you know? <laughs> four pounds of hair. That's a lot of hair. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and that's, isn't that sad that this is what he's known for? He had a lot of hair. Isn't that great? Wonderful. <laughs> I think there's better things to be known about than having a lot of hair. Uh, it, it, just, it just doesn't do a whole lot for me here. It says, And unto Absalom there was born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar, and she was a woman of a fair countenance. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, and he didn't see the king's face. He was there for two years, not seeing the king's face. This should ring a bell for you. Because how long did Absalom wait before he killed Amnon? Two years. And he waits two years before he does something about trying to see the king. And I I think this is just a great picture. This is the time he waited to kill Amnon. And what is he really saying? I want grace, but for everybody else, I'll kill him. Hmm. He wanted to see the king, and he figured after two full years, he had the right to see his father. But he didn't give that right to Amnon. Instead, he killed him. I want grace but I'm not going to give grace out for anybody else. Mm. And isn't that, excuse me, just like the world, we want grace, we want forgiveness, we want to forgive those that have done wrong instead of having lawful things and moral things for people. Our state is in a bad place. We're letting murderers go. When they should be convicted, they should be given what the moral code says in the world. But instead, we'll change the laws because we feel bad for people. Well, he did it under duress. There is no duress that should bring us to a place of killing somebody else. And I'm so thankful that God is in a place where he's the final judge because I can't judge rightly. My emotions get in the way. My, My... 
stand sometimes gets in the way, but God is perfect in his judgment. He gives out perfect judgment always. And I'm thankful that he's going to. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm not going to have to. Because how do we look at people and realize that they need to die for what they've done? Oh, And sometimes we want to do it because of what they've done to us or what they've done to those around us. But, but in God's estimation, God's place, what does he say? Forgive those that have wronged you. Mm. Wow, Lord, you got to help me with this one because I can't do it. And isn't that what we rely on the Lord for? I can't do it, but you can. In, in Romans last night, we, we were studying Romans chapter 8. Uh, in, in God's estimation, in God's grace, he gives out forgiveness. And we don't know about that forgiveness that can come in a place where we just can't understand it. And it says in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit helps us with our infirmities. And that word infirmities means our weaknesses. Lord, I'm weak in this area. I don't know which way to go. I don't know how to judge it. I don't know what to do with it. But your Holy Spirit help me. But that means what? We have to go to the Holy Spirit and ask him for his help. <laughs> it doesn't mean that we make our decision guess, based on how many times we flip a coin. Well, it's been heads four times out of seven, so that must mean I must do it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever done that, but sometimes we do that, don't we? We flip a coin. Which way should I go? Okay, I'm going this way. Because <laughs> the coin must be lucky. Oh. Instead of trusting in Almighty God, we trust a coin. Uh, and it's just amazing as we go to those places and do those things that, that we're entering into something that we shouldn't. Uh, so Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, didn't see the king's face the whole two years. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to have him sent to the king, but he wouldn't come to him. And when he sent the second time, he still wouldn't come. Therefore he said to his servants, See Joab's field that is near mine. He has barley there. Go and set it on fire. To me, <laughs> this is a clear indication of where this guy's heart is. <laughs> if, if, if you won't do what I want, I'm going to set your place on fire. Wow. And then you'll come to me and then you'll do what I want you to do. This kid is spoiled. He needs a good spanking. And I can't say that too well because I know there's times I need a good spanking. And sometimes the Holy Spirit... Oops. <laughs> I know when it's coming too. <laughs> and sometimes we do need those spankings to get ourselves in the right direction again, don't we? You're acting like a spoiled brat. What are you doing that for? I don't know, Lord. But I, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. And don't we do that? We settle the, the, the issues of the world by our, own, by our own mind, don't we? If the people would just do this, everything would be fine. <laughs> if I was president, we'd just be fine because I would do everything the right way. Oh, would you really? Mm. Oh, Lord, sometimes we need that spanking. Lord, I'm acting like a spoiled brat with you. And aren't you thankful? Weren't you thankful as a child when you finally got caught doing something wrong? and they beat it out of you, and you realized I was going the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing, 
and you felt a relief. Finally, I don't have to deal with this anymore. And there's a relief in that. And sometimes as the Holy Spirit ministers to us, and it's not really a spanking, it's not like he gets up there with, with a paddle with holes in it so you could really feel the pain. He just, hey, what are you doing? And that's enough sometimes for us to just say, I don't know, Lord. I'm, I'm a spoiled brat and, and I need healing. <laughs> I need to go in the right direction. And the Lord will do that with us sometimes. And I'm just so thankful for that. But they didn't do it with Absalom. Uh, Joab doesn't do it. David doesn't do it. Uh, and Absalom just gets away with it even more. And when we get away with something even more, we get more spoiled. Well, if I'm going to get away with it, if I'm going to do it, then I'll do it again. And don't we see that? Well, I got out of jail this time, so I can just go back and do the same thing over again, and I'll get out of jail again because they're going to be gracious to me. Oh, we, we've done a misdeed to our people, to our kids, and shown them that example. It's all right, Sonny. It didn't matter that you took my precious cup from my great-grandmother and threw it on the floor and broke it. It's okay. So what is he going to do the next time? He's going to take the saucer. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> We're doing a disservice to let them know that there's not consequences for our sin. There's consequences. And we need to know. They need to know. And the world is going to find out there's one big consequence coming. But boy, aren't you thankful that we aren't going to be here for it? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, uh, this is a hard chapter, sorry. <laughs> so Joab arose, came to Absalom to his house, and said unto him, Wherefore have thy servants set my field on fire? I think I would have said it a different way, but <laughs> God is gracious. And Absalom answered Joab and said, Behold, I send unto thee, saying, Come hither, that I may send thee to the king, to say, Wherefore am I come from Jeshur? If it had been good for me to have been there still, now therefore let me see the king's face, and if there be any iniquity in me, let him kill me. Oh, boy. Do you hear what he's saying? I'm okay. <laughs> really? You're not okay. You've destroyed other people's property. You've killed your own brother. You've killed your father's son. You've just done all these bad things. What do you mean you're okay? And if I've done anything wrong, let him kill me. That was an open invitation right there. <laughs> and aren't you glad God doesn't listen to us when we cry out those same things? Hmm. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't. So Joab came to the king and told him. And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom. He comes before him, and when he sees him, he, he comes to him and kisses him. Almost that place of affection, almost to that place of approval of who this man was. Oh, a sad place. But notice still, there's no prayer. There's no seeking the Lord. There's no answer from the Lord for David for it because he hasn't come to him. And the Lord is not going to force anything on us or on David that we haven't asked for. He's only going to give us when we come and ask. Uh, and it says, uh, turn with me, if you would, uh, to Hebrews 10, and we'll finish up there. I, I'm going to Psalm 
37 or Psalm 103 for a second uh, and read that and then we'll go to, to Hebrews 10. Uh, but it says in, in Psalm 103, uh, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And aren't you thankful that there is forgiveness with God? We can come to him and ask for forgiveness. There's a picture in the chapter that we just read. There's no asking for forgiveness. There's no saying, I'm sorry. There's no repentance. And, and I don't know about you, but for me, if we're truly born again, there is going to be repentance. I know there's a lot of churches that, that don't say it, that don't ask it, that don't put it in their creed. But for me, if there's no repentance, then there's no real turning from our ways. We're just coming to heaven because we're good people. I think there needs to be repentance because we've all gone the wrong way. Every single one of us has sinned and, and we don't want the glory of God. And we need to repent that we've gone the wrong direction. And again, we need to have our hearts there. And I don't think there can be true salvation unless there's true repentance. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of salvation. There needs to be repentance in, in that place. But in, in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, it, it says this, and we could go all the way through the chapter because it's such a great chapter, but uh, for time's sake, uh, let's just drop down a little bit. Uh, oh... For it's not possible, in verse 4, uh, that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have had no pleasure. And we see that over and over in Scripture, that God says, I, I have no, no delight in burnt offerings. Uh, they're there, they're wonderful. Certainly they, they take care of some issues and they get people's hearts in the right place. But in and of themselves, those burnt offerings and sacrifices, uh, I have no pleasure because there's no truth in them of true repentance, of a true turning. There's just a covering that's there that, that doesn't last. And so he goes on and he says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do your will, O God. And shouldn't that be our heart as we go through, Lord, I want to do your will. What did Jesus say to the disciples in John chapter 4 when he was with the woman at the well and his disciples came back and, and said, hey, sit down, we got some food. We went to town and bought food. And he said, my meat is to do the will of my father. <laughs> what do you mean your meat? Where did you get meat? We're the ones that had the grocery money. You didn't have anything. There's no refrigerators here. There was no sacrifice taking place. And he said, my meat, my sustenance, my place is to do the will of my Father. And we as Christians, we as believers in Jesus, if we're image bearers of who he is, and if we want Jesus to rule and reign in our lives, then shouldn't our heart be, Lord, I want to do your will. And we all say, yeah. And how often do we do it? Mm. <laughs> Lord, I don't want to count because it's too few compared to the times that I say no. 
it's just like our kids. One of my daughters once came home uh, and she looked at me and I think she was jesting a little bit, but I wasn't real excited about it. But she held out her hand and said, talk to the hand, don't talk to me. It was the last time she ever said that. <laughs> but I remember it because it was awful <laughs> and my heart just went ballistic. But don't we do that to God? As he speaks to us and we say, God, I'm not listening. Or we put our fingers in our ears and go, da, 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 da. I'm not listening, Lord. I don't want to do that because I've got something in front of me I want to do. Mm. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be those people of God that he wants us to be. Help us not to do what we want to do. Not our will, Lord, but your will. Uh, uh, and so he says above when he said sacrifice and offering in verse 8 and burnt offerings and offering for sin you wouldest not neither hadst pleasure therein which are offered by the law the law says that but it wasn't the spirit of the law it was just the literal picture of the law that we had to kill an animal but there was no heart behind it and that's what jesus tried to get across to the pharisees and the sadducees and those that were keeping the law, that uh, you're doing it just by the letter of the law, but it's not in the spirit of the law. And then he said, Lo, I come, in, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. He take away, takes away the first part, that he may establish the second. The second is that we walk by faith towards him by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Thank you, Lord, once and for all. Do something with that, underline it, circle it, highlight it. There is not a, a weekly offering for sin that's the body of Christ sacrificed week after week or day after day every time you have communion. Once and for all. That's it. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin, but Jesus' work on the cross can. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifices for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. If you notice in Scripture, the right hand of God is always a place of favor. I don't know why the left hand isn't, but it isn't, so we don't go there. Uh, on the right hand, he puts the lambs and the sheep. On the left hand, what does he put? The goats. You don't want to be a goat. Nope. <laughs> you want to be a sheep. Uh, <laughs> for by one offering, one offering, he perfected them forever. He sat down in the, the picture of sitting down because you remember the temple of the Lord from Exodus, when they went into the temple, the priests never sat down. There was no chairs. There was a table. There was a candlestick. There was all those things, but there was no chairs. Why? Because their work was never finished. Jesus sat down because what did he say on the cross? It is finished. Yahoo. It's finished for you and I. We are no longer, if we're born again, going to be judged for sin because the, our judgment took place on the cross at Calvary, on Jesus Christ. Once and for all. We are never, those things are never going to be brought up to us again. 
And thank you, Jesus, because they should be, shouldn't? According to my law, it says, I, I, need, the, I, I, need, I need judgment because I'm a sinner. And he said, what sin? I don't see it anymore. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've cast your sins away from me. I don't see them anymore. Welcome to the family. Come on in. Have a chair. <laughs> really? <laughs> Do we deserve it? No. Have we earned it? No. God's grace. And if you don't know God's grace, you need to start understanding it. And you need to start realizing that it's true. Because otherwise, you can't go to heaven. <laughs> oh, it's his work. And so he says, From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering, and he says it again twice in one chapter. When God says something once, he means it. When he says it twice in the same chapter, you best start listening. <laughs> we have a guy, and I know a lot of you know him, uh, Dan Neal from Calvary of Rochester. He's in North Carolina now, but I get a scripture from him every morning. And last week he sent out a scripture, and then about two hours later he sent out the same scripture. And I'm going, what is wrong with you? And then he sent an addendum. He said, when God says it once, we need to listen. When he says it's twice, we really need to listen. <laughs> and so he sent it twice. <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> it, was, it was great. It just made me chuckle. One offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Are you sanctified in Jesus? Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness. For after that he had said this before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after these days. I will put my laws into their hearts and on their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so Father, we just come this morning and we realize that, that our sins and iniquities have been taken care of because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And thank you, Lord, that you've revealed those things to us. We don't understand always why it's us and not somebody else. But Lord, you've chosen us for some reason. You've uh, called us by name and you gave us the ability to answer. You gave us the ears to hear. Uh, and now we're forgiven in Christ and we stand before you. These people who are called your sons and your daughters. And we're just so thankful, Lord. Thank you for the sacrifice that you've given. Thank you that we don't have to enter in again and, and try and have forgiveness for the same sins. You've forgiven us and it's completely forgiven. So thank you, Lord. May we walk in the truth of that. May we walk in the ways of that. But we, may we not be like David who didn't seek you and fell into another trap as he didn't listen again. May we have ears to hear and hearts to receive everything that you want to say to us, especially in the days that we're in, when things are so close and getting so hard. Help us, Lord, to listen. We love you and we thank you. Help us in, in that way. And we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.